0: Lord, as we transition to worshiping in your word, I pray that you would remind us again and again and again that this is all about you. Please help us return to uh, a heart of worship, even as we listen to God's word preached. And as I preach God's word, please empower me to do so. I trust that your word does not return void. It's in your name. Amen. All right. Our text today is Matthew chapter five, starting in verse ten. Um, <laughs> you you ever uh, you ever have an experience where you're like maybe maybe you watch something with a little kid and you wonder why on earth are they doing that? But then uh, as time goes on, you start to see it ta- say, see something take shape. Um, when when uh, <laughs> when Silas was a was a was a little baby. Um, he would just sit there, like, screaming the same sound over and over and over and over again. And, like, you don't know what he's saying uh, because he's a baby. And now as he's gotten older, like, I've started to see that the reason he does that is maybe because he doesn't feel heard. And so now he does it with words over and over and over again. But you still don't always understand what he's saying. And, And so most of the time I'm saying, buddy, I am so sorry. Like, I don't get it. Just saying it over and over again doesn't help me. Show me what you want. <laughs> so um, the, these Beatitudes, as, as we've been continuing through them, are actually taking a particular shape. They are displaying something really clear, um, and, and we're, we're going to see the conclusion of them here in our final verses today. So let's go ahead and read them. So I, I, I'm sorry, I will read them, starting in verse 10. This text, uh, the, well, specifically the word persecute, is one of those words that we hear constantly. Um, and and we, 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 pro- we may even say constantly. So just the existence of that word in this text, when it comes to our culture, begs a particular question. And that question is, does persecution happen today to Christians? And the answer is a resounding yes. But it happens on what I'll call two different platforms. Um, platform one is, is what I'll call bodily persecution. So it's the persecution that happens globally, worldwide, predominantly in, in, in nations that are uh, non-Western cultures. Um, so you've got, you've got the, 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 um, the ISIS, you've got the Islamic State, Cutting heads off of Christians in multiple countries. You've got uh, you, you've you've got people disappearing off the streets, in others. Um, it it happens all across the board, and again, it's in predominantly non-Western nations. One such nation would be China, where Christians are actually put under surveillance, where their 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 actions are watched. Hotel rooms are bugged. Um, there, there's, there's a couple stories, I don't know if you guys have ever heard Voice of the Martyrs, but there's a couple stories where people from Voice of the Martyrs have gone to China and they find bugs in their hotel rooms. So that's not far-fetched. But China doesn't necessarily persecute Christians in the way that like ISIS would. Um, on December 9th, 2018, a church called Early Rain Covenant Church was actually raided secretly by police. Uh, pe- people started disappearing. And the first to disappear was the sound guy. Rick, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but, but he arrived early to start setting up, turning on lights, turning on, the, turning on the different equipment, Right, but he disappeared very quickly and nobody was able to reach him. Um, other elders who were public elders started disappearing as well. And one elder and his wife disappeared and went uh, went into hiding and posted on their church Facebook page that people were poofing, that and they they you know they'll post as developments come. And it ended up uh, being well, what ended up happening was their pastor, whose name was uh, whose name is Wang Yi, he was captured and placed in prison under deplorable conditions. He was put there basically as holding. And the China, China, China admitted to doing it, but they said it was because of the anti-Chinese propaganda that this church was putting out. Really, what, it, what was happening was he, the Wang Yi was preaching from the Bible. And he was preaching that Jesus is king. That he alone is king and that all governments will one day bow down to Jesus as king. And that was a step too far for Communist China. Uh, Wang Yi refused to recant, he refused to submit to the government-controlled church that China actually has. There is a legitimately legal version of Christianity, it's just all the material is vetted through through the, uh, the Communist Party. Um, he refused to submit, and there's other elders who are still in prison, but Wang Yi specifically is serving nine years in prison for his preaching. Um Persecution is a real thing. It does actually happen. That form of bodily persecution has been happening forever. happened in Western nations as well previously, but by God's grace, um, in these places, and this is, this is completely backward to our modern sensibility, but, but Christ's bride, the church, grows in these areas, and it is never extinguished. As one of the very first public Christians uh, wrote, the the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That was Tertullian. That was the, 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 the second century. And the second platform, so you got that first platform, bodily persecution. You got the second platform, which we are significantly more familiar with, which I'll call mental persecution. Um, persecution that Christian, Christians face in this dynamic is usually acquainted with cultural understandings. It's a form of mocking or scoffing or looking down upon from a cultural high horse. Um, it, it's, it's something that we face, where you're made fun of for being a Christian. I really don't think I need to spend too much time in that because I'm sure we've all experienced it in some capacity or another. It's when somebody gives you a weird look for reading your Bible on a lunch break at work. Or, or you, when you're at a family gathering and you say, hey, is anybody going to pray to bless this meal? And you get like the one or two people that are like... Or when, uh, when, when, you're, um, when, when you're walking around with a Bible even and people won't look at you or they look at you and they look away or whatever it is. It's that, that sort of like, oh, those stupid Christians. So whatever this sort of persecution looks like, we face it, it is persecution, but it's not bodily persecution. So we need to think about those two platforms whenever we think about the word persecution. Uh, And before we get too far off track in just looking at a single word of our text today, uh, let's, let's look back at the text. And, and see what Jesus is actually saying when he says this, this beatitude, which is two beatitudes, or, t- or one beatitude, but it's the same theme, so I'm going to say it's one. I'm going to go against the scholar of the grain and say, I know more than the scholars. Um, no, most scholars actually agree with this, I'm just being snarky. So, um, Jesus makes a clear statement in all of the beatitudes by announcing that these people are blessed. And as we've heard before, the word blessed can actually be translated as happy. So, Jesus grants us two reminders and a direct encouragement here. The the encouragement, by the way, is not going to sound encouraging outright. So, two reminders. The reminders are this. One, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And two, they are happy because their kingdom and treasure is not here on earth. Then the encouragement again, which doesn't really sound like a good encouragement, but it really is, uh, it's this. You're in good company because the prophets suffered too. Misery loves company. Um, But but it it really is an encouragement. So so going to the first reminder, the first statement of Jesus, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. The very nature of that statement, happy are the persecuted, is, is profoundly... A conundrum. It really should be. Why would these people be happy? Why would Pastor Wang Yi, Chinese pastor, currently serving a nine-year sentence, which in theory should be at uh, eight years by now, but the Chinese government isn't known for counting their uh, their imprisonments very well. Um, so he's currently serving, uh, and he, it's all proclaiming that God's Word is truth. How can we call him happy? If you're in a deplorable Chinese prison where you're not able to see your family, you're not able to see your friends. By the way, his kids were locked up too. Uh, I think they've been released. You can Google Early Rain Covenant Church and you can read the, the continuing story. But I think his wife and kids were released, but they're, they're constantly picked up for questioning, just randomly. Uh, that's, that's another form of bodily persecution. But how can we look at him and say, say yeah, dude, you are happy. You are blessed right? Would you, would you take a picture of him in prison and put hashtag blessed on it? <laughs> but it should ring as a conundrum, right? Because it's, it's almost an unsolvable puzzle of words where we really have to determine, Jesus, do you even know what you're talking about? Blessed or the persecuted? The normal person doesn't look at persecution as something enjoyable. In fact, we in America get bent out of shape when our sports team is, is mocked, even when they deserve it. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, <laughs> but, but, or, but, I mean, even, even when our favorite TV show is mocked, right? One of my favorite TV shows from all time is Monk. I've been preparing for a pandemic my whole life watching this show. Uh, going everywhere with wipes. You want to wipe? No, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> but that's one of my favorite shows. If somebody were to tell me, yeah, that's kind of a bad show, there would be kind of an irk in me that would want to like immediately defend A fictional TV show for other people it's the office I don't get that show man like I do I think it's funny but I can't binge watch it I I I know a guy who's seen every season like four times in a row like it's there's like 15 seasons and there's 20 episodes per season and he I mean he just he's watched it and he can quote the office to you and he thinks he's funny meanwhile you're like yeah I bet that was Michael Scott okay great but 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 if you were to tell him like man the office is not that good of a show i mean persecution <laughs> i'm being persecuted my opinions are being being destroyed so the normal person doesn't look at any form of persecution as enjoyable and yet jesus says that these particular persecuted are happy so jesus clarifies this for of uh, for us actually um Because there's various forms of persecution in the world, but but only the single that Jesus calls blessed, and it's when they're persecuted for righteousness' sake. What is that? Look at verse 11 with me. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Jesus even clarifies that for us. So two things. One, Jesus takes this particular beatitude and makes it personal. He hadn't done it with any of the others. He ascribes it to you, this corporate you. And by doing so, he points out that all of these beatitudes are meant to apply to us, which that's why we've been going through it slowly. That's pretty obvious, but Jesus does it specifically here in this case. And he intends for us to take this exceptionally difficult statement And understand the practical implication that when we're persecuted on his account, we are blessed. And two, this persecution is very particular. And what I mean by that is that it's not just any persecution just because you're a Christian. But it's it's persecution on account of Jesus himself, for righteousness' sake. Um, I've been around Christians who call everything persecution. So, so please put that sort of a lens down and 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 hear me out. Uh, I, I've I've been with Christians who, if their opponent on Facebook is an atheist, then every conversation that they have with that person is persecution. But friends, not every every persecution is for Jesus' sake. Sometimes we're persecuted not for the content of our message, but for the way in which we deliver it. Facebook, for instance, is not the world's best evangelistic tool. So, uh, sometimes we're just being jerks. And there's no jerks for Jesus. So, let's let's think about the persecution for Jesus' sake not for our own. One example is a great story of George Whitefield. You guys know who George Whitefield is? George Whitefield was a revivalist who came over, uh, came, came over to America from, from uh, England. And, uh, and he came to a town where they had a circus gathering, um, and he set up a pulpit, because that's what he did. He had some people with him. They set up a pulpit, and he started preaching in an open field. Uh, he started proclaiming the gospel is what he was doing. Uh, a reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ, and crowds started gathering around him, but not for good reasons. Many started hurtling things at him, okay, while he was preaching. Whitfield, in his own biography, describes the objects as stone, mud, and pieces of dead cats. Whitfield, though, continued preaching. He persevered, uh, and actually, many in the crowd came to know Christ. One of them even wrote to him later about this particular event, saying, I came to break your head, but through you God has broken my heart. Whitfield was not trying to be a jerk for Jesus. He was trying to proclaim the good news. To be called happy in these sort of trials means that we are more concerned with the souls of others than we are about our own reputation. We, like Whitfield, should be happy in our persecution. There is joy amidst the dead cats that people throw at us. Uh, and and, and it's, it's when we see the fruit of the gospel flowering in our lives, flowering in other people's lives. So if we're to be persecuted, friends, let it be for righteousness' sake, on Jesus' account. Let it not be because we want to be jerks for Jesus. Going out with your cardboard sign to go hit people at the Toledo market, none of you have done that that I've seen, so not, not looking at anybody. Paul, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but but going out and like shouting fire and brimstone messages just to just just because, or going on Facebook and having the latest flame war because you want to be the most in the know person, which by the way are two very big temptations of mine. Um, that's not a good way to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. So, the second reminder that the persecuted are happy because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What does that mean specifically? It means that the person who's persecuted for righteousness' sake is not bound to this earth, not bound to the social and societal pressures of worshiping the same gods, little g, that our culture does. It also means that the person is bound to preaching the gospel. Because if there was ever a surefire way to get mocked or have dead cats thrown at you, it would be to let people know that the only way to salvation is Jesus Christ, that he alone was crucified for our sins, that he rose from the grave and sits eternally at the right hand of God the Father. Why? Why is it that people want to hurl dead cats at that message, but not any other message? Why is that important? Why is it important to take these and consider ourselves happy when we have insults and mockings and scoffings at us? It's because a Christian's kingdom is not the prestige we have in this measly little life. We get, what, 80, 90 years here? Average? Probably even less? We don't have much prestige here. Our reputation is not worth a whole lot. But we get stuck here instead of announcing the good news that Jesus Christ is the Savior. That happiness of of suffering for righteousness' sake, of being a citizen of Jesus' kingdom, needs to pervade every facet of our lives. Peter writes this to the church, to the exiled church in 1 Peter 3. Which again, Carl, you need to stop stealing my material uh, in in the pre-written LifeWay curriculum. Uh, (laughs) So 1 Peter 3, starting in verse 14, Peter writes this, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, sound familiar? Even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Think about that. Let that linger in your mind for a moment. When you suffer, For righteousness' sake, God makes the declaration through Peter that through his power you will be blessed. Not talking money. I'm talking a joy that rises, a blessedness, a happiness. Let's let's continue reading. Have no fear of them, meaning the people that are causing the suffering, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. Friends, when you're persecuted, when you're mocked for your faith, are you prepared to explain your hope amidst the persecution? Because if you have an abiding hope, that will weather the storms of persecution, I promise you, you will have a blessedness, a happiness that's not of this world, that's eternal, that's powerful, that's abiding. And let's remember those two points, right? So point number one, happy are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, and two, they're happy because their kingdom and treasure is not here on earth. Those are really two pieces of the same picture. It's a two-piece puzzle. Can we solve that? Can we make the pieces fit? Don't keep one upside down, right? Um, True happiness arrives in persecution. Do you think about that? And it's specifically persecution on Jesus' account because a person's kingdom and treasure is completely and utterly unaffected by problems in this world. What an incredible assurance and what powerful hope that is. No matter who mocks you or mistreats you because of your desire to grow in loving God and making his gospel known, no matter the objects or insults or pains or troubles or disappointments or lost opportunities for gain in this world, your kingdom and treasure lies elsewhere, stored in an incorruptible bank account, never to be wasted, never to be lost, never having to fall back on plan B. Why? Because your reward is In heaven, kept for you in the hands of Jesus Christ. Persecution weighs us down. It hurts. It makes us want to run away. It makes us want to hide. It makes us want to stop talking. But it should, by the power of the Holy Spirit, it should. So let me. close, which close means that we're in the last 30 minutes of the sermon. Let me close today with probably the most practical implications of this text, and I'll weave in that encouragement that I mentioned earlier. Jesus's desire for his disciples, and that means for Christians all over the world, is to hold their treasure and hope in heaven, not on earth. Where is your heart today? What and where is your focus? Is it on earthly things or heavenly things? What is your kingdom? Man's kingdom is his castle, right? Heard that one? Man's kingdom is his castle, his house. It's his domain. It shouldn't be, shouldn't be on the things of this earth. Many in the church have a tendency to act like or, or announce that their kingdom is in heaven. Yet they aren't willing to love their neighbor or their family enough to remind them of the grace of God in Jesus Christ. We don't want to be persecuted. And internally, we know that if we talk about the gospel, we will be shamed. And shame never feels good. We know that we'll be treated like the village idiot. But friends, remember that the hope is not in what you do. The the hope is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus did all of these Beatitudes perfectly. Think about them in succession. Later today, here's your homework assignment. Think about the Beatitudes in succession. Pray about them and remember, Who Jesus is? Is Jesus poor in spirit? And by the way, I'm using the present tense, not the past tense, because we're not just talking about the historical once was, but now is not Jesus. Jesus is and forever will be. So Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, just to throw more Bible verses at you. But Jesus is alive today. So when we look at these Beatitudes, is Jesus poor in spirit? Is Jesus uh, somebody who mourns? Is Jesus meek? And so on. Those are things we need to remember. We need to remember and we need to hold on to because he, friends, is our treasure. He did all of these things perfectly. But this last one sums up his earthly life, doesn't it? And it still sums up a lot of what he has to suffer now. Jesus was persecuted, even killed, for righteousness' sake. Jesus is perfectly righteous, perfectly good. Yet his persecution has meant the salvation of sinners like you and me. And in a very small way, our own persecution is supposed to have a similar uh, effect where where, where when we are persecuted, like Peter said, we're supposed to be ready with a defense for the hope that we have. It's supposed to lead to the same thing. Persecution, the blood of the martyrs, is the seed of the church. If we're going to go hide, if we're not going to share the gospel, if we're not going to rejoice and delight in God publicly, and I don't mean like, oh, let's go outside and get our tambourines and start singing Kumbaya. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that we live our lives as Christians. We are not American citizens first. We are not citizens of Toledo first. We are not Lincoln Countyites. I don't think that's the way you say it. But we're not that first. So how are you living as a Christian first? Are you willing to be persecuted for righteousness' sake? Because only by that are we going to see the gospel grow. Only by tr- being treated like the village idiots are we going to see the wisdom of God save sinners. The encouragement, by the way, is the mistreatment of the prophets. <laughs> I've never it, uh, misery loves company is kind of a dark way of saying it, but but I, I mean, think about it. Why would the mistreatment of prophets be a, an encouragement that Jesus gives? He gives it right at the end. Great uh, for, sorry, let's read. Rejoice, command, and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were for, before you. Hebrews eleven thirty six to thirty eight describes what happens to the or what happened to the prophets of old. Author of Hebrews writes this: Others, other prophets, suffered mocking and flogging, and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. That's a lot, and that sounds terrible. And that does not sound like something I would necessarily like to put my family through. But but right in the middle of that, God interjects the statement. Of whom the world was not worthy. The prophets who were persecuted, the world was not worthy of. Wouldn't you like that to be your evaluation at the end of your days? That the world was not worthy of you? Wouldn't you like to hear God say that to you, those words? Welcome to my kingdom, The world, that world was not worthy of you. And that's why I have brought you here, is because I have made you worthy of here. There's only one way you're going to hear words like that. There's only one way you're going to hear the words good and faithful servant. And it involves treasuring Christ with such conviction that you announce His good news to the perishing, thereby suffering persecution at the very hands of the ones you're trying to show mercy. That's what happened to Jesus, isn't it? He suffered at the the hands of the ones that He was bringing mercy to. Persecution is inevitable in the Christian life. We are to persevere in persecution. We're commanded, like Jesus says in verse 12, to rejoice and be glad. That is a commandment. That is that is an, uh, something that Jesus tells us to do. And the only way we can do that is if we hold our hope so dearly in Jesus that we we, we, we have a a reasoned response to the hope that we have, and I'm not talking like, okay, let's go ahead and order curriculum. Have six things you say if you face persecution. Here's six things you immediately say. No, no, no. I want you to make sure that you have a reason for the hope that you have. I could give you as many note cards with uh, with with rationed the, or rationaled defenses of the Christian faith, but that's not what Peter's talking about. He's talking about the hope that you have. If I were if if, if, if Dolores walked out of here uh, and, and um, somebody who knew she was a Christian decided to come up and hit her with a baseball bat. And then, say it's a gang of people and they all beat on her and she somehow survives because baseball bats are hard. Uh, and, and maybe one person, one person, maybe somebody at the hospital when she gets taken care of goes, why did you endure it? Why, why didn't you fight back? Why, why, why didn't you try to hurt them instead of them hurting you? Why, why did you suffer like this? you think Dolores would be able to answer? Because my Lord suffered for me. And I, 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 don't, I don't want to hurt them. We need to remember that Jesus is our treasure. In daily life, every day, that he's worthy of our eternal delight. We need to hold that treasure tightly, just as tightly as the prophets held the treasure of holding the word of God and proclaiming it amidst awful circumstances. As men like George Whitfield, who again withstood the onslaught of dead cats and continued preaching the gospel. We need to reflect that. We need, we need to reflect the fact that Jesus, who was once mocked, brought grace and mercy. And therefore, we can handle a little, a, little, a little bit of insults. Our identity needs to be in Jesus Christ. Our treasure needs to be Jesus Christ. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness' sake. Again, it doesn't say blessed are you when you're persecuted for being fact police or what, what, whatever it is. We need to remember it's for righteousness' sake. Take this home. Pray about it. Say, God, show me how I can do this show me how i can be persecuted and therefore happy in you because blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake the righteousness of jesus let's pray god these are hard words and and they 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 should sit in us as things as puzzles we can't solve how we can say blessed are we because we're suffering on, on account of, of being in you. But Lord, you've said it. It's true. Peter and Paul and John, all, all, the, all the biblical writers have expressed the, the reality of persecution as Christians, and it was much more vivid in their time than it is in ours, in our culture. But that doesn't make it any less painful. And you know that. So God, help us to have that happiness, that joy. Work in us by your Holy Spirit, a desire to be persecuted for righteousness' sake and nothing else. May we be known as as a, a church, as a group, that loves you so much that we're willing to be made fun of. I can be taken so many wrong ways, Lord, but I trust that you will apply it to everybody's heart in a a way that I never could. May we glorify you in this way. It's in your name I pray, Lord. Amen. May we, by the grace of God, suffer persecution so that we may be called blessed. Go in peace, saints.